0: Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master Craftsman Photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now, here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Dogs are not our whole life, but they make our lives whole. And that's a quote by Roger Karras. And in a minute, you'll understand why I picked that one. And I want to welcome you again to the show. As Jimmy Fallon would say, welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) I also want to remind you that if you'd like some goodies from me, go to lucydumascoaching.com. And there is a book on marketing and there's some tips for finding great clients. And then if you want to just chat with me about anything, learn more about coaching and what that would be like, just send me a little message. And I would absolutely love to have 15, 20 minute chat with you. So Margaret Bryant is my guest today. And she opened her Carrollton studio in the Dallas area of Texas in 1998. Her specialty is photographing pets She specializes in photographing pets and is just an amazing photographer, author, and educator on the topic. It is absolutely her passion. She loves to talk about capturing the love and whimsy of dogs and cats in front of her camera. She is a PPA master photographer, photographic craftsman, PPA certified professional, a nine times photographer of the year, medalist with PPA and a two-time Grand Imaging Award finalist. Phew. <laughs> and she's also taught at Imaging USA, Texas School, many PPA guilds and other organizations. She has two books and just finished her second edition of her first book. So holy cow, Margaret, welcome. And thank you so much for being on my show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I um it's been a while since I had a pet photographer on the show, and I don't want to neglect that really up-and-coming and thriving new industry. Um, just while I'm thinking about it, tell me what you've seen in the business world. I know you've been around 22 years. I've been around 38, and we've both watched this evolution of highly profitable pet photography studios. Uh, can you kind of share your awareness of that or?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, When I started in 1998, um, if you told anybody that you were a pet photographer, they would have laughed at you because surely no one can make money at that. And uh, I was, I started out as a doing dog sports at first. And uh, then moved on when there was, I realized there was no money in that. I moved on to doing studio photography because I liked the control that I had, but still there was only one or two other photographers in town that were doing it. I mean, I was really pretty much had the market to myself. Then I started noticing it growing and it was not growing very fast at first until we went, got to digital cameras. And then of course, everybody started becoming a photographer. What I like that's been happening in the last few years is that uh, it's people are finally becoming aware that pet photography is a how do I want to say this uh, legitimate specialty in photography, right? And they uh, and so people start, are starting to take it seriously. That yes, you can make money at it, and there are just some fabulous pet photographers that are out there now.
0: Yeah, I I felt the the specialty sort of arising uh before it happened, I, I'm kind of one of those people that can spot a trend or feel the trend. And maybe eight, nine years ago, I started thinking, gosh, if I was looking for a new niche and I was like I'm a kid person more than dog person, but if I you know, if dogs were something that I just intuitively under intuitively understood, like I know you do, I just knew that it could be a really viable niche. And then uh, Margaret, when I started coaching about six years ago, it just naturally was something that I was helping some of my clients start pet photography businesses and become really profitable and, and successful. So yeah, it also, I, I had that same experience with high end children's photography, especially babies, nobody was doing it 25 years ago, at the level that I was. So I had the market to myself. Um, and then now, you know, just about every block has someone calls themselves a professional child's photographer. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I yeah. Do. So has that impacted your business by having more pet photographers in the industry?
1: Not really. And as a matter of fact, there have been some times that the uh, local pet photographers we've gotten together for lunch sometimes because there are, it's nice to know the other pet photographers. Their style is very different than mine, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always nice to have somebody to refer, you know, the the clients either that I can't handle or don't want to handle, uh, to refer them to someone else.
0: Mm-hmm. And I find, like in the family portrait industry, when more photographers started selling wall portraits, there were actually more clients for me because more people then wanted it. So I have a feeling that that like in your circumstance, the more quality pet photographers that are selling their work for good price, you know, good for us <laughs> and yeah. and selling it as art creates more demand.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I also think that uh, the other thing that is helpful, there's so many parallels from pet photography with other types of photography, and I'm sure this one is too, and that is You really, each photographer has to find their voice. What's the story they want to tell? Um, What is their style? And so that sets you apart. So it's not like you are not necessarily competing with the other photographers because really you are offering something very different because it's your vision and it's going to be very different than perhaps what their vision might be.
0: Uh, I love that. My first question is, what is your voice?
1: Uh, I love doing studio photography because I have more control. People know me for bright colors um, and uh, high key white. I Mm -hmm. do do some low key stuff, but people know me for that. But more importantly is that I love doing fun and whimsical. Mm -hmm. That's my thing is fun and whimsical. And so people kind of know me for the fun and whimsical.
0: And how did you figure that out?
1: Uh, Like everyone else, uh, I just was doing a variety of things. And after a while, I began to realize that I really like the fun and whimsical. Uh, I like to anthropomorphize the dog sometimes. Um, Some years ago, I did the Weimaraner Rescue Calendar as a fundraiser kind of thing. And I did that for 10 years. And I liked it because it gave me a chance to be very creative. And that's kind of where I really described figured out that i like anthropomorphizing the dogs and really capturing that personality and doing something different than what everybody else was doing
0: with the dogs mm-hmm. so anthropomorph- wait, anthrop- anthropomorphizing, anthropomorphizing dogs anthropomorphizing <laughs> dogs means what making I them know- making them human-like
1: right, right so for example i might have a dog that is uh dressed in a chef's hat and cooking something uh something like that. Or Mm -hmm. I might have, one of my favorite ones that I did was uh, I decided that I wanted to have a um, uh, fireman wannabe. So I took a Weimaraner and taped black spots on (laughs) (laughs) it. I love it. So he's a fire dog wannabe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Um, Is there a favorite image of yours or one that has won the most variety or that people are like, oh yeah, Margaret Bryant, she's the one that did... That photograph, Mm,
1: uh, no, none that stick in my mind. Okay, uh, they're just, uh, there is, I have enough of a style apparently that, um, I will have people that will say, Oh, yeah, that's yours. I know I recognize it. You know, it's not because they recognize the image, they recognize the
0: style, right? So, how do you think, um, because clearly when someone says that, it means that you have found your voice. So, how do you think that enhances your business?
1: Uh, well, because yeah, do I still get people that will come in and say, "Oh, I just want some pictures of my dog." Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally, yes, um, not very often. Uh, I it's more likely that I have somebody that will say something like the uh, the most recent client uh, that said that uh, I've seen your work and I have wanted to have you photograph my dogs forever. I love I love what it is that you do, mm. and so and which is great, especially if you have. Clients that want that want to participate in, in in the fun and whimsical part that's the part I love because uh if they want to be fun and whimsical with me, you know we come up with some interesting idea that um, really captures the relationship of their dog with with some fun
0: so how do you come up with the ideas then? I have a warped brain. <laughs> but how do you bend it for one particular client or do you have ideas and then you say hey i've got ideas like some of this is good to say
1: well some of this is are are really good ideas and some of this might sound a little bit strange so i do keep an idea book and i recommend that everybody do that because when your brain is relaxed uh you're going to come up with all sorts of things and uh i have a um a book that i just keep around that has all sorts of ideas. And usually you'll come up with those ideas when maybe when some mindless repetitive drive in your car mm-hmm. or right before you're falling asleep. Mm-hmm. My favorite place, <clears throat> my favorite place is in the shower. Yes. <laughs> now, here's, now here's where you're going to laugh. Uh, I um, album design. I, I have very, uh, I don't use templates or anything like that. They're all, I design from scratch. Mm-hmm. And when I'm having a hard time feeling how it comes together and the story that I want to tell yes in the middle of the day I will take a shower mm. and I will take a shower just to give me an idea and I've had people make fun of me for that
0: I promise they won't. <laughs> I won't so, I absolutely know what you mean because my whole to-do list when I'm showering or driving uh, you know if there were thought bubbles actual thought bubbles you'd see it full of thoughts of ideas that when I step out you know, an hour later, I'm engaged in other things. And those things that are like top of mind in the shower do fade away. So do you so like...
1: There is there is an, an answer to that. Yes. They're called aqua notes. Oh. And they are, and I keep them in the shower. And it's a pencil and a special kind of plasticized uh, writing paper. So you can write down your thoughts while you are in the shower. How's that? Jeez. <laughs> And I do that and I do that all the time because sometimes when I, you know, when it comes Christmas card time, I have clients who've been coming back to me for more than 15 years because I have crazy ideas on things to do for Christmas cards. Mm -hmm. And so those ideas may come any time of year. It doesn't have to be around Christmas time. Right. It could be another time. And I'll say, hey, you know, and I may not attach it to a particular client, uh, but I'll just write down the idea. But because I have this group of clients that come back every year, I have to top myself every year to come up mm-hmm. with something creative for their Christmas card. So uh, that's constantly top of mind. But I have a, a book full of stuff, and then I check off the page every time
0: I do use it or try it. Or mm-hmm. I love it so fun because it's harder to do that with kids and families. <laughs> but well, and you
1: know, with kids may not always uh, do what you want them to do, mm-hmm. and Actually, the same is with dogs, too. They may not always do what you want to do. So I could have this really great idea in my mind that really does not require a lot from the dog, but they've just decided they're not doing anything. And so Mm -hmm. I get probably more disappointed than I should. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) I mean, I still end up with great shots, but it's not what I had envisioned.
0: Right. So do you prepare the parents of the doggies and kitties in advance that you have ideas and yet other things might unfold and it may be different or how do you kind of field that uh, reality? Well,
1: always, I always like to manage expectations. So I always require a consultation ahead of time. The consultation serves several purposes. Uh, The main purpose that I tell the owners, uh, my studio is in my home. And the main purpose that I tell my clients is that I get to meet everybody. The dog gets to meet me. The dog gets used to the environment and feels more comfortable. So they'll settle in faster the day of the session. Mm-hmm. Now what I am and I, and we'll talk about the say. Se- I want to hear stories about your dog. I want to, we'll talk about how, what we're going to do for the session. Of course, I'm also using this time to manage their expectations. Also from a sales standpoint, show them what I do and uh, get some uh, input from them on what they 're looking for, so I know what i 'm shooting for but um, it, you know I, but I phrase it in terms of it's it 's all about the dog. When I see a dog that I think is might be a problem as in they might be scared mm-hmm. I always manage their expectation uh, if they have some little the dog does this cute little dance may not do it for me mm-hmm. so I manage that expectation, and the way I phrase it is I can only do what the dog is going to allow me to do.
0: Ooh, I can only do, I'm going to write that down.
1: Yeah, what the dog is going to allow me to do. And that gets repeated several times because then it sounds like I am operating out of concern for the dog. Right. And then when they actually see it during the session, they'll see that we'll try time after time to do it. And if the dog doesn't do it, hopefully they're not going to be angry at me because they see how hard we tried. And sometimes, you know, it, it just doesn't work out that way.
0: Right. So I can always manage their expectations so that there are no surprises. So I could see this working both for, uh, when I'm photographing husbands, (laughs) 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 um, but more particularly is with children. That's, that's really my superpower is children. And I love that expression. Um, it especially can be useful in the, from one to three-year-old range. Because what I found in the times I photographed dogs is it's a lot like photographing toddlers, because they can't give you words, they understand a lot of what's going on. But they can't actually form sentences to respond to you. And they're, they're, um, at least with toddlers, and you're the pro with pets. But this is my theory anyway, is the attention span is shorter than might get like a five year old or or, um, even for me, I find that babies in the six or, or seven, eight month old, they'll sit and stay longer than a 12 month to three year old. So I like that, that I could say, if it's a toddler, I'm only going to be able to do what your toddler will allow us to do because right, right, that's who they are. They're practicing that's independence. Right. So do you think I'm right that, that, um, Toddlers and pets. Like- well, they
1: say that uh, they say that dogs are about uh, their intelligence is about the age of a two
0: year old. Well, and
1: uh,
0: Margaret, I'm what just what patting the- myself on the back for <laughs> for discovering that.
1: <laughs> so, uh, but here's the one thing that I have found with a lot of times with dogs is that, and this may be the same with with toddlers too, and that is that a lot of times it's not that they are being obstinate or whatever, it's that they don't understand what you want. Mm-hmm. And many times you can't convey to them what you want because they, they don't, they can't understand, but it's not that they don't want to do what you want them to do. A lot of the times it's that they don't understand right. what you want them to do. Right.
0: I think it might be the opposite with toddlers Okay, is they understand, but they don't know how to communicate what their needs are. Ah. And so, they're more easily frustrated yeah, because they can't say, no, I don't want to sit here or I want to run over there and, you know, grab that, that piece of grass or, or whatever. Um, I think the similarity about, you know, being fast on our feet and like <laughs> thinking a step ahead of them is probably similar. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. Well, and I th- also think that, too, is reading their body language mm-hmm. so that you, I would imagine with a toddler that you can anticipate what they're going to be doing next just because they're kind of leaning in a particular direction. I know that dogs telegraph what they're going to do before they do it. So if you know anything about dog language, which is body language, which I think is very important for a pet photographer, that you're going to see, and it may only be a fraction of an instant, but you're going to see something right before they do it. For example, if, if they're going to um, dart, take off, um, you're going to see that thought process cross their head right before they do it. So if you know what's going on, you can grab them mm-hmm. <laughs> or any other other thing. So if, they're, if you know dog body language, you can tell when they're starting to get stressed out, um, that there's something that they don't, they're uncomfortable with. And it'll be long before they're, they show anything that people who don't know body language would understand. And I bet kids are like that too, that, you know, you'll see that something flash through through their eyes and you're going, oh, they're going to take off.
0: Yes. With kids. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but I watched this whole PBS special on the face and we have 50 muscles in our faces and every thought moves a muscle and communicates to other humans, what we're feeling, right? And that's why my goal is always to uh, get them to feel something, not just try to make a cheese face smile, right? And also, what I didn't know, even though you know I intuitively have known in my career, the muscles. So I'm going to relate this to what you do in a in a sec. But the muscles around our eyes and the ones that pull up the corners of our mouth are involuntary but they're the ones that actually communicate what we feel. Uh And so just telling somebody to smile is not going to get, like right now we're wearing masks and we can see who's friendly and who's safe because we can see their eyes crinkle, right? Yeah. Their eyes are smiling. And so as photographers, that's always what I think makes a portrait of a human look authentic. And like, you can know that person and, and that it's not just a picture of their face, but kind of their personality. So what? how does that relate to the body language and expressions? You know, I know we've got eyebrows and ears and other things, and maybe there's 50 muscles in a, in a dog's face, too. I don't know. Uh, but-
1: I don't know either, but I bet there would be even more because you're talking about ears going up and down and moving around. And same thing with their mouth has a variety of uh, expressions. And uh, same thing with eyes, have a variety
0: of expressions. Mm -hmm. And And they can wag a tail and we can't.
1: Well, Here's the thing, (laughs) though, you know, about the tail, though, is that there are some things that people think are good things that are not necessarily good things. And tail wagging could be one of those uh, because sometimes tail wagging is going to be might show a little bit of stress, too, or stopping the tail wagging. Or tucking the tail, so yes, it does mm-hmm. express some things.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but yeah, it's they—they they have a ver- way, a huge variety of uh, different expressions that, um, and very subtle expressions, which which sometimes causes a problem when I am calling the images from a session mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, I will. So here's the thing: when you're calling images for you from a session to decide what you're going to show the client, and uh, you might see something that may be the goofiest thing or the the dog might have its its you know its lip stuck on its tooth so they call it uh, I call it snaggle tooth some people call it Elvis lip uh-huh.
0: thank uh, you very much some people like
1: that <laughs> some people like that some people don't uh-huh. and uh, I have learned over the years that um, even if the dog is not paying attention isn't you know everybody in the photograph is looking at you except for the dog maybe that's the way the dog is. Mm. I have found that things that, that ordinarily as a portrait photographer, a people portrait photographer, I would have thought would have been an outtake. I include with dog photography because sometimes that shows the personality of the dog better than anything that I could have shown them before. And so sometimes you just, you just don't know right. what's going to appeal because I don't know the dog as well as they do. Right. And frankly, no, that's, just... a, that's another phrase that I use a lot of times oh. is that when I'm talking to them, I'll, I, I will say to them, and I said, Well, you know, you have to give me, give me a little bit of help
0: here because I don't know your dog as well as you do. Mm, I love that. So I have that same philosophy when I'm deciding uh, what to show parents of kids, because as long as it's a nice, clean photograph that I would feel good about selling. I'm going to include it right. because they may love that expression and the one that I really love as an artist isn't the one that makes their heart sing. Right. So, um I imagine you photographed some horses over the years. Uh-huh. So I photographed a woman and she runs a stable and teaches and has three horses herself. And it it was oh, it was really fun, quite an adventure, you know, something New for me to, especially to do three horses. And I was so surprised when I showed her the proofs at how things that I thought were great expressions. She said, no, he looks nervous or yeah. no, he looks angry at the other horse or he's in, he looks tired. You know, these things that I couldn't see, but because it's her horses and she's the horse whisperer, it, it was clear. You know, I know right. that that ears for horses you want them both in in the same direction towards you or you know towards their snout because that shows they're listening and more attentive and not as nervous but all those other little things um, that's a really good tip and i hadn't thought about it with dogs that that the owners and you recognize all kinds of things that they're thinking and feeling
1: well the um, the other thing is uh, Mouth open, mouth closed. Yeah, tell me about that. So owners will think that they uh, like the dog's mouth closed or they like the dog's mouth open. And don't go by that. Okay. (laughs) Because uh, what will happen is that, let's say that um, I like to get a variety. So let's say that the dog's mouth is always open and we're not talking heavy panting or anything like that. It's just, you know, light panting, like the dog is smiling. Uh and you'll have some with the dog's mouth open, and you you try to get a couple with the dog's mouth closed, and um, as you're going through and you're showing these to the client, and you get to the one with the dog's mouth closed, and they go, oh, I love it. He looks Mm. regal. This is wonderful. When they had led you to believe that they would only be interested in the mouth open. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you will have someone who will uh, say, no, I like the dog's mouth open. And then you show them one with the dog's mouth closed and they dismiss it out of hand Mm -hmm. because they like the dog's mouth. They wouldn't even look at it because they like the dog's mouth open Mm -hmm. and you never know which one they're going to do. Right. And so when I meet the uh, owner at the consultation with the dog, and if it's a case of the dog's mouth is always open, I will actually ask them. I said, you know, is the dog's mouth always open? Yes or no. And, uh, gee, you know, I think it would really look really nice if the dog's mouth is closed, you know, but it would look so regal and you just take into what the reaction might be. If they're mm-hmm. saying, nah, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, not to bother with it. Mm. Same, same thing with ears up. Mm-hmm. Most people, uh, or most photographers should want to have the dog's ears up and it doesn't matter where they have prick ears or they have floppy ears, even floppy ears can go up. It's uh, right where the ear connects to their head, it will go up. And it's it's a noticeable difference. And um, so usually, you know, it shows alertness. So you want to see the, the ears up. Well, there was this one um, golden retriever. And I tried so hard to get the dog's ears up. I mean, most of the session trying to get the dog's ears up. I did get a few. And, uh, so at least some that I, you know, I could Photoshop onto some of the other dogs, uh, other shots of the dog. And when the owner saw them, she didn't like them at all. Not with the ones with the ears up because mm-hmm. this dog's ears never went up. And that was the way that she was used to seeing her dog and seeing her dog with the ears up is not the way that she normally saw saw the dog. So she wanted them with the ears down. Mm-hmm. So now when I do a consultation, And I'll make a noise to see if the dog's ears go up. And if they don't, I will ask the owner, do the dog's ears go up? And that way I'll know whether to spend the time getting the dog's ears up or not. Right,
0: so I wanna put a big exclamation point on the fact that you do consultations and the importance of them. I have people I know that say, oh, I just do it all over the phone. No. And what I'm hearing is that besides planting the seeds for purchase, which I think is very important to meet with them, is that you're actually planning and you're learning things about the pet and the pet owner and things that they prefer. And those you can't just do with a quick phone call or even worse, having somebody book an appointment and you send them uh, an email with a magazine with info and then they show up in front of your camera. So uh, do you have other reasons why you yes. are so strong on doing consultations?
1: Yes. I, as a matter of fact, I insist on it. Even if somebody is coming from out of town, let's say somebody's coming from three hours away, which is not unusual. And so we'll schedule it so that um, usually I like to have several days between the consultation and the session, but I'll do them like the, the consultation is like the next day or something like that, that they will, you know, they've got friends, they can stay the weekend or, um, and uh, because the consultation is that important, or I will, as a last resort, tack the consultation on front of the uh, photo session mm-hmm. uh, if, I, if I have to. Um, and the reason for it is it really makes a huge difference having the dog get used to me and get used to the environment. Because I swear that when the dog comes back for the photo session, it sniff, sniff, sniff. Oh, I've been here before. And they settle down much, much faster. To give you, I'll even take it to a, another extreme and say that. So my my first book that I had, and when I do the teaching, one of the things I talk about is uh, watching out for stress behavior from dogs. And quite frankly, all the photographs that I have of various different kinds of stress behavior in dogs were all taken when I did not have a consultation. Mm-hmm. So it might've been let's say, mini sessions, fundraiser mini sessions. Don't do a consultation for fundraiser mini sessions. When I was doing the Weimaraner calendar, I did not do a consultation for the the sessions, for the fundraiser sessions for the, the Weimaraner calendar. And so pretty much all of my photographs that are depicting um, stress behavior in dogs were all taken during times when I did not have a consultation. Yes, it makes that much of a difference.
0: Mm. Now, does it also make a difference in the sales and... Like So some of our listeners, many of them are not dog photographers, uh, and I feel like consultations are very important always. So what other reasons besides getting to know the dogs?
1: Well, I think that um, a couple of different things, Uh, and that is that uh, if a person tells me that they're not interested in doing a consultation that to me says they're not willing to do the time commitment. If they're not willing to do the time commitment, they're probably not willing to do much of a monetary commitment either. Exactly. Uh, And then the other part is that people buy from people they like. Mm -hmm. And this gives me a chance that you could never really have over the phone, but it's in person and it gives them a chance, me a chance to get to know them and them to get to know me and hopefully like me. And uh, usually my clientele are like 95% women. Uh, but if they bring their husband along, and you know the husband doesn't necessarily want to be there. But uh, personally, my I have a lot of what might be considered to be male oriented interests, so I can get talking to the husband about those kinds of things. So that when I find out that he collects cars, I can talk about that, mm-hmm. or he likes airplanes, I can talk about that. Um, those kinds of things. So I'm more memorable to them. And again, people buy from people they like. So you're starting that whole relationship at the consultation.
0: Right. You know, it's like you and I have been hanging out in all the same circles with so much of the same wisdom and advice for others, even though uh, you and I were talking about, I think maybe we met at imaging uh, a couple of times at a little pet get together, maybe. Could be. Something like that, but we haven't like hung out together, but we're totally on the same page with that, Margaret. So I don't know if we learned from the same people or we just (laughs) both have observed, um, especially the, if people are not willing to take the time to do a consultation, this is not going to turn into a great sale. And maybe even if it does, it's not going to be as fun for me. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yes, I agree. Well, and and some stuff you learn just by doing. Like if I catch on to the fact that the husband is not really interested in this process, when it comes time to do, because I do in-person sales, when it comes time for the in-person sales, I will just suggest to the wife that the husband and wife drive separately Mm. so that the husband can help with the process of selecting the images, then he can leave. And then she actually she's always going to be the one making the purchase anyway Mm -hmm. so uh then then she can go through and narrow down to what they want and and pay the bill and same thing when uh if they decide that they want to have uh, a couple of shots with the whole family and the dog or the husband and the dog or the wife and the dog i will the husband won't come to the consultation a lot of the times. During the session, I have him drive separately again, so he can come in for the things that he needs to do, and then he can leave. There is nothing worse in my mind than a, a husband who is sitting there tapping his foot because he's getting terribly frustrated, and the dog can sense that, mm-hmm. that. He just wants to be done with this, so I would much rather have him drive separately, come in, do what we need to do, and
0: then leave. Right, and it, I'm, Don't know about you, but it also drains my energy. Yes. When I feel like I need to hurry, you know, we've got, uh, we've got our creative brain, we've got to be technical, then we have to be people managing and pet managing. And, and we've got our own thoughts going on while all of this is happening. And then if there's that other little, like a, I don't know, like, I don't know, like a noise, like construction noise in the background or something kind of thought of like, oh, gosh, that guy wants to leave, I better hurry. Like you pick up on that energy. You know what I'm talking yep. about, right?
1: I, I do. Because one of the things that I tell the owners ahead of time is that uh during the session, uh, I will, I will tell them or right prior to the session, I will tell them that uh, I said, uh, you have to have patience. The dog is not always going to do what you want him to do. You can't get frustrated. You have to remain patient because if you get frustrated, the dog is going to sense that, mm-hmm. and that's and that's going to influence the session. So just yes. remain patient. I said, and I will guarantee you that I have a lot more patience than you do. Mm-hmm. So just, just, just take it easy. I and then I'll tell them, don't talk to the dog. Let us do our thing because I I always work with a dog trainer as a handler, and uh, let us do our thing. And I said, now I may need your help, you know, making noises perhaps or something like that. But if you have any recommendations for me, talk to me not to the dog. That might work with kids too. You know, know, don't talk to the, don't talk to the child, talk to me and I'll talk to the child.
0: Yes. I absolutely with kids will tell people, you know, I'm the captain now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that expression is there that right now, whether this is a portrait of a big family group with some children and we're outdoors or, you know, smaller groups, I'm now the big, the parent of everyone, right? You can be there to protect your child with safety issues, but try not to help me because you don't know exactly what I need when I need it. And oftentimes if you're in the picture, you'll be looking down at the child to see if it's being good. And if you're doing (laughs) that, you're the one that's not being good. You know, if if I get the right report, then I can say that to them. And I just say, you know, If I need your help with getting a smile, I'll uh, direct you to stand and do what would help me, but mostly sometimes don't even look at them Um, when I'm outdoors. And I eh, don't know, this might work with pets as well. Let's say I'm trying to photograph the children and there's a lot of adults around and they're watching and I can, I can see just like you can see the little, clues in a dog's face when they're feeling stressed, I can see a child feeling stressed because they've got these people that they love that are always bossing them around watching. And it's harder to get them to relax. And I'll, I'll have them all, you know, let's say there's three or four adults, not in the picture, but standing behind me, I will ask them to turn around backwards so Mm. that they can't even look. And then the child relaxes. So
1: with dogs, it's a little bit different because the the client will ask me, do you want us in the room with you or not? And and my answer to that is I haven't a clue because some dogs need to have the owner in the room with them. Some dogs do better without it. You, you never know.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's sometimes the same. Um, but I imagine when you when you feel like they're trying to please their parent and not focusing on you, that you have your tricks to to get that your guidance for for the owners Yeah. how to stop getting the dog's attention am i right yes
1: yeah. yeah well i tell them i usually tell them ahead of time so that uh mm-hmm. and they usually forget <laughs> right and we'll do it anyway at which point i try not to have a a look uh that 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 says stop that mm-hmm. uh and uh and i'll just say and you know i'm i usually put my finger to my mouth and just say shh mm-hmm. because that's less. That's the same reason why I tell them, you know, I may be asking for your help. I will say that even though I know for sure I'll never ask them. Mm. I say that to them just
0: because it makes them feel like they're part of it. Right. Yeah. I love that. Huh. This is such good stuff. And I know that even people who are not pet photographers are learning a lot and listening to this and you might inspire people to start it that have never even tried. So do you have a few tips, like three or four suggestions you could make for people that might want to be starting a pet photography business and not just about how to photograph, because we've talked a lot of tips, but starting a business and marketing, money, I don't know, whatever. What, what can you say to someone that's new to this idea?
1: Uh, so I would say that um, first is, we'll go back to one thing we have mentioned, which is finding your voice. Uh, you can't take snapshots and the reason I say that is because uh, like uh, ki- for photography of kids um, the owners of the dog can take pretty good pictures themselves the cameras are in the phones are pretty good so why should they come to you you have to give them a reason to come to you and having a vision and being able to do something that they can't do I think is tremendously important so uh, what makes a, something a snapshot and what makes
0: something a portrait
1: um I think that uh, the way the way that it looks, if it is, well, certainly obviously if it's out of focus and not framed right and no um, composition or anything like that, uh, is part of it. But the other part is that you're paying attention to the nuances of everything. It's not a grab shot. You are making sure that the light is right. You can do light the, and probably the the owner of the dog, doesn't really understand light and is not going to, if they get a good shot lighting wise, something interesting and creative, it's probably by chance. Right. (laughs) Whereas as photographers, we're supposed to know about light and be able to create that light. Uh, Mm The other, the other thing that I would say is uh, get to know uh, a lot about dogs, dog behavior, dog breeds, you know, we've bred dogs for a millennia to do jobs And so you have to know that if you're going to be photographing a Jack Russell Terrier out in a park, the moment it sees a squirrel, it's going to take off Mm -hmm. Uh, because they were bred to go after rodents. So um, I think that's important, too. People think that because they can take pictures of their own dog or their neighbor's dog or their friend's dogs, that they're good. And um it's it's more than that. You have to know the light, you have to know how to handle the dogs, you have to know about dog behavior. Um, like anything, I think that any specialty is the same way. I would not photograph a newborn any more than I think a newborn photographer would be able to photograph a nice portrait of a dog. Mm-hmm. They, you know, each specialty has its own, and you have to learn something about right. each one of the specialties.
0: Well, and I, I love these parallels. I hope it's sparking some thoughts in in you, the listener, because when I have taught children's photography, and I know you teach pet photography extensively, I go over the different stages of childhood and what you can and can't do at those ages. And so with children, it's like each stage they're a different breed is what just sparked into my head because Um, One of the big differences is between an 11 month old and a 13 month old. They're completely different uh, breeds of child. Right. You know, typical because of something that grows in their brain that causes them to start practicing independence. So um, yeah, I don't know, just a random thought there <laughs> about the comparisons and part of why you're good at what you do is you've studied the breeds and behaviors and why I'm great with kids is I've studied the ages and behaviors and like why you can have five clothing changes on a, an eight-month-old and you're lucky if you get one on a 15 month old. Or a 14-year-old, or a because <laughs> they don't want to wear what you put them in. So, yeah.
1: And, and what I find is interesting is that if I have a session where uh, they have a young child, I will have a lot less patience with the young child than I will with yeah. the dog. <laughs> yeah, because you
0: understand that. So but here's the thing. Go
1: ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, here's the, here's the thing with um, uh, wh- who your clients normally are. I don't often see young children. Because typically, pet clients are either single women before they have married and started a family, or they are empty nesters. Uh, mm-hmm. The ones in the middle, they're spending their money on their kids; mm. they're not spending the money on their dogs. Mm-hmm. So it's rare that I will get a client that has school-age children. And so what? What that translates to is that if I get requests for doing things like silent participating in silent auctions, that's that can be a really good thing to do. But if it's for a grade school, I'm less likely to participate because of the fact that they're less likely to buy my product because they're spending their money on their kids, not on their
0: dogs. So what would be the auctions you'd more likely the ones that and they don't
1: have to be and they don't have to be ones that are pet related. Uh, although I will participate in the ones that are pet related, but it could be anything that, you know, your ideal client would participate in. You know, if it's a a, um, a restaurant or a fundraiser of some sort that's not dog related, it could be any number of things, uh, higher end the better, um, but something that's not necessarily oriented towards kids because they're not likely to spend their money on their dogs when they have right, kids.
0: Right, right. I've noticed that some empty nesters, Support certain health issues like ovarian cancer because that's a disease more commonly seen in postmenopausal women. And, uh, you know, imagine there's some if you thought about it, but we're not going to get, I'm not going to like tie you down until you tell me exactly <laughs> which ones because I'm sure you have a list of ones that you like. Yeah, that place was perfect. And, um, yeah. So, Oh, I think we could do a whole nother episode uh, with more of your hot tips. Is there something either for the newer photographer or somebody who is at this point a little frustrated at not marketing in a way that's effective? Any hot tips on how to get work?
1: Uh, that's a little different now with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that um, silent auctions are always good. Here's the thing though. Um, Don't always think that you have to have relationships with pet related businesses. Maybe there is a spa or a wine bar or some other kind of thing like that, that has nothing to do with pets, but might be a good, that's something place that your ideal client goes to Mm. and might be a good place to tap into them um, other than a pet related business. So don't, don't rule out those kinds of things that but think of things and you can get that by your best clients start talking to your best clients where do they like to go and those are the kind of places that you can start having relationships with
0: and once you have those relationships then how does that lead to clients well you
1: can it could be any number of things if they have uh sometimes they're having their own presentations or or um events that you can participate in Um, a lot of times just talking with them, they'll try to come up with something to to help you. Maybe it's just having portraits on display. A lot of people go to having portraits on display at their vets. But remember, if people are going to a vet clinic, especially if you're going to one of the specialty clinics, they're spending all their money on the specialty clinic. They don't have the time to spend, the money to spend on getting portraits of their dogs. Even if, if their dog is very sick and you've gone to the specialty clinic, that money is going towards paying the vet not to you know having portraits done, oh. so you really have to kind of pick and choose where you're where you're doing it
0: hmm I was so. thinking that a relationship with a vet might work when they get a new client that or someone that has a new puppy that comes in for the shots and the wellness, so they're not they're not spending a ton, but if it's the right vet in the right community, it might be it,
1: it, it could pre-clonged. be. Uh, I do. I do have work up in vet clinics. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that that in proportion to other places, I don't get as much business from that.
0: Got it. Thank you for that. Um, I Tell me if you think I'm right on this. Uh, one of my friends that does pets had photographed all of the dogs in the office and had a wall of, you know, the people at the counter and the technicians and just all the, all the peeps. I don't know the names of everybody that works in a vet office and they never got any work. And my theory was those people could not afford her. And so she might have had a great experience and might say, yes, she was awesome. She's expensive so that it's not really the best, the best uh, person to, to sing your praises.
1: And it's, that makes sense? yeah, it does. And it's interesting because I would have thought the opposite, that you don't photograph the, the, pe- the vet's dogs because they're not the ones that are going to be talking to the client in that way. Whereas the person who is the receptionist would, you know, if they were to. So I find it interesting that they ha- she had that experience. Yes.
0: Well, because if I'm a, a vet tech, I, I'm probably not making $150,000 a year, which right. is sort of a target client for me someone in that 100 150 and so are they going to say oh gosh I purchased beautiful wall portraits for my home after this session and we have absolutely love them or they're going to say yeah it was great she's great and I wish I could afford something you know I don't know it also it's not going to be your fine art if you're doing a dozen photographs so I don't think they are going to grab as much attention.
1: I still, Well, I still do uh, something that would still be representative of what it is that I do.
0: Right. But it's not a formula. You're still going to put something that gets, like, really pulls people in and is memorable. Right. Correct? Yeah. 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 Not a kind of a... Snapshot. Hmm. Well, not snapshot, but good sellable images. You know, every one of my... Right. Family portrait images or children are not award-winning, right? Or or worthy to be samples, where right. even though the client absolutely loves it, and I'm really proud to sell it right. to them, it's not a sample I'm going to put because it it may look like what everybody else does, and not as you say, my voice, right? Um, well, no, it would be my voice, but just not as stand out as as some things that we'd no, use. No,
1: I, I understand. Yeah. I understand.
0: Yeah. So I have a question for you and then a follow-up. So the first question is, if people have more questions, want to find your books, want to know more about classes, how would they learn about all of that?
1: So I have um, my website, which I'm in the process of redoing, I'm ashamed of my website, <laughs> except, <laughs> okay. that search, except that it except that it searches really well. Oh, uh, and I'm I'm in the process of redoing it, so they could do that. They could email me. So, what is your website? Uh, uh, my website is bryantdogphotography.com, dot com. Okay, and uh, uh, they could find me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I just changed the name, so I'm trying to remember what it is. Well, I'll have that Margaret in the Bri- sh- Margaret Bryant. Yeah, Margaret Bryant Dog Photography, isn't it? Okay. And we'll have that Uh,
0: in the show notes for people. Yeah,
1: and and Instagram has has a wide variety of images that I have done on there. So that's, if you're interested in seeing my work, that's the place to go. Okay. Uh, Amazon Amazon sells my books, so you you can just go into Amazon and search under my name. Um, My first book was about um, dog behavior. It's all about four photographers, dog behavior, posing, that kind of thing. And there's a new edition coming out and I've added a bunch of things about posing in there. So for those who, who are, I've got a dog and the dog sits and you're just at a blank for what to do next,
0: that will help you. Okay. Um I know you also have a workshop coming
1: up, so i do i do workshops uh I do one a year it 's usually in July, and people can go to dog photo boot camp to find out about more about the July workshop, which is in lake tahoe
0: ooh fun
1: and then lake- i i also I also teach at Texas
0: school so Margaret is available to share everything she knows and more with you <laughs> to help you grow and become a fine pet photographer. And I assume also you help teach people how to be a profitable, good pet photographer.
1: Yes. And I, and, and people can just drop me an email. And there are times that uh, people are surprised when they find out that I just pick up the phone and talk to them and make suggestions.
0: I love it. So my last question, is there either is anything you, haven't shared that once we sign off, you'd be like, oh, I wish I'd have said that, or just a last thought that you want people to come away with from this conversation?
1: I would say that uh, as far as uh, last thoughts, I pretty much said what I thought were the important things, certainly finding your voice. I just can't emphasize that one enough. And uh, um, when you're working with a client, managing expectations. It's, it's funny, in the classes that I teach. They'll the students will hear it repeated, and I'll say, "Do you think I think that's important?" <laughs> <laughs> you heard that one before, didn't you? you? Manage expectations. Manage you heard expectations. that one before. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, if I were to pick two big things, those would be the two big things. Right. You can't you can't be like everyone else, and it's and it's partly your photography, and it's partly you as a uh, business person getting to know your client. And making them have a fabulous experience.
0: I love it. I love it. And I know that that's one of the huge ways that we can stand out, especially from photographers who are using business models where they're basically taking the portraits and handing over the files is that there's only one of us in the world. And if we create those relationships and we know our voice and we have a Great experience uh, ahead for them, and we've planned that. And we're priced for profit. <laughs> we can't help but just really thrive in this industry.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: So, Margaret, I'm so glad that wherever it was, I ran across your name again and thought, "Oh, yeah, Margaret. I'd love to have her on my show." That I reached out to you, and you said yes. So, thank you I, so much. I I am glad too. It's been a lot of fun. Good. So, remember to stay tuned for my wrap up and we'll all bid Margaret a fond adieu. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks very much. Before I give you a quick wrap up, I want to remind you that selling is my superpower. So, if that's an area where you're tired of struggling or you're not earning what it is that you feel like. You want or deserve, I can help you with that both by one on one coaching or I do have an online sales course called the Profitable Photographer Sales Academy. So just get in touch, lucydumascoaching.com, and um, I can give you some support for that. So here is Miss Margaret's uh, little tips that I got from her. Number one, she wanted to make sure that you find your own voice, whether it's pet photography or any other business. When you are doing what you love, it sets you apart and it makes you easier to become known and for your ideal clients to find you and you to find them. And one thing she does that helps her is to keep an idea book. And she she even has um, something in the shower that she can write notes when she has ideas. And I thought it was pretty that when she really needs a good idea she goes and takes a shower because there is something about that that scientific that that time in the shower we can get all kinds of creative ideas and she and I talked about consultations and many reasons why doing in-person consultations before we do a session have a really strong advantage For her, it's partly to um, get to know the dog, but also, you know, we listed several other great reasons for that. And then she teaches a lot about animals and photographing dogs. And one of her superpowers is knowing dog behavior and body language. And uh, so she shared a little about how we can tell if they're stressed or uncomfortable or other things. Once you get the eyes to see, based on watching them, uh, tail wagging, what happens with their ears and their eyes? Uh, those can be very subtle but very telling indications of what a dog is experiencing. She says, "Ears up" is almost always what people want to see, unless it's a dog that doesn't normally <laughs> uh, have its ears up. Then, you know, she she's a good advocate for finding out what the owner slash doggy parent or kitty parent loves about about their pet. We talked about the mouth open or mouth closed decisions. And it sounds to me, I always thought there was a right way. And it's great to know that it's kind of up to the parents of what they like in their pets. She talked a lot about being patient. And she and I talked or I shared quite a bit about the similarities between a dog and a toddler. So we both thought that was kind of uh, fun and interesting. Um, She gave some tips if you're going to start a pet business. So one is that you don't take snapshots like any pet owner can take, that you learn lighting, design, a consistency in what you do. Again, finding that vision. And to study dogs, study breeds, study behaviors. And when we talked a little about marketing, she said, you don't always have to just go to pet related businesses, but for her, her best clients are single women and empty nester people, women and men, I guess. So figuring out where they hang out and her website is BryantDogPhotography.com. And so if you want to know more, get in touch, see her work, which is really, I mean, so fun. Um, She's just, I'm sure you agree with me, super personable and a great teacher. So that's it for now. And I hope you all are enjoying whatever season it is that you're listening to this in. It might be approaching holidays or it might be, you know, middle of summer, but hope, hope life is good for you and those you love and you are well and feel free to reach out to me anytime I am right here at your beck and call (laughs) so that's it bye for now you have been listening to the highly profitable photographer with Lucy Dumas if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate subscribe review and share to connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.